Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Then we see, notice, the result of our salvation. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship or God's poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Notice this wasn't an afterthought. Oh, now that you're saved, hmm, let's see what I can do with you, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see or hear about people, usually royalty, whose lives and careers are planned for them when they're children. It seems the only way for them to escape that destiny is for them to cut themselves off from the lives they've known. Many times, knowing that God has a plan for your life can cause some anxiety and maybe even resentment. But as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, God's knowledge of the future is an advantage you should make use of. Doing so will ensure that your life is the best one you could ever have. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he begins his message, Equipped to Do Life Right. Turn your Bibles to... Hebrews chapter 13. Sometimes when we're shopping for a house or a car or a computer, one of the questions we'll ask is something like this. How is it equipped? What does it come with? What are all the details? It's interesting in this little benediction that the writer to Hebrews gives It's an encouraging benediction, and it reminds these suffering people, probably in Italy, that God has equipped them to handle anything that would come in their life. We want to give you the six keys that this writer gave as far as being equipped to do life Right. We begin in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he, verse 21, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In the NIV, it says, equip you with everything good. Here it says, make you complete 
in every good work to do his will. That word complete means to make fit, to make perfect. And the real application, I think, is to make useful. In other words, Paul reminds these followers of Christ, he was going to equip them to make them useful. You just heard Brent speak about how God is using them in a variety of ways to make his kingdom expand. Well, every single one of you has been called the same way. God has called us, and after he calls us, he begins equipping us to do his will. God wires us, if you want to say it that way, each of us in his body and in simply different ways. Now, without him, even if we're wired that way, there's nothing we can really do. But with God's help, obviously, we can do life exactly as he wants, as he works in and through us. And this is simply what he says. God will equip you, his prayer, with everything good for doing his will. So... Let me give you the first of the six keys. Number one, God equips us to do his will on earth. God didn't create you or me to do life alone. We were created to know God and worship him, obey him, enjoy him. And as he created us in that whole process, it starts with salvation, and then it moves into that equipping. Keep your finger there. We'll be back in a moment. We'll be back and forth from Hebrews 13 at the end, so you can put a little piece of paper there or whatever. We'll be back and forth as we finish this wonderful book. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You probably know it by heart, but I think it's good for us to see how this works out. You see, before you were even saved, God already had plans for you. For some of us, we put off his plans for a while because we rejected when he first came to us. But now that you're a follower of Christ, he's able to use you and to equip you. It all starts in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not my work, so no one can boast. And then we see, notice, the result of our salvation. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, or God's poem, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Notice, this wasn't an afterthought. Oh, now that you're saved, hmm, let's see what I can do with you which God prepared in advance for us to do. McDonald says this, the result of salvation is that we are his workmanship, the handiwork of God, not of ourselves. A born-again believer is a masterpiece of God. When we think of the raw materials he has to work with, his achievement is all the more remarkable. As you look at yourself, and I look at myself, we go like, how could God use us? Remember, that was Moses' problem. God said to Moses, I'm taking you to Egypt. You're going to lead these children to the promised land. Moses said, hey, find somebody else. Can't be me. 
But God always had that in mind for Moses, and of course, he'd work through it. So, remember, after we're saved, we're not saved by works, after we're saved, the good works are simply the fruit of the root of salvation. When you're saved, that root goes down into Jesus Christ. We're planted in him. And then the fruit begins to grow. Just like you have at home. You take a tree, you put it in the ground. Boom, that's our salvation. We're in Christ. Then, after a period of time, we begin to see the fruit grow. And one of those fruits is good works. It's things that God has created us to do. So God has a blueprint for your life. Now, the exciting part of that is this. Once you discover how he's equipped you, that's when the fulfillment comes. Now, I'm not made by God to create my own plans. Now, God does give us a free will, but we are to discover by faith and by living dangerously what those plans are for us. That's what makes the life of a Christian incredibly exciting. Psalms 32.8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you and watch over you. So we're reminded that God obviously wants us to know his will and then to be involved in every single aspect of our life. Now, speaking about equipping, sometimes we can, because we're anxious, we can get the the horse before the cart. Very easy to do that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, if you will. Let me remind you that Jesus had to say to his disciples at one point, you think you're equipped, but you're not equipped yet to do what I've asked you to do. You're not yet ready. Now, one of the things that we have to do here, the, the older pastors on staff, in that equipping process, of course, we're still going through it ourselves. In that equipping process, we have to hold the reins on these young pastors in training. Because like all of us, when we're young, we feel like, well, we've got it all together now. Let's just go for it. And they have that zeal, but sometimes the wisdom is lacking and it just takes time. And as I said, that's one of the goals in our school of ministry and so forth. We just hold these guys. But you've seen over the last year, some of these young guys from the last school of ministry come. And on Wednesday night, they begin to teach you. And you've noticed some maturity, haven't you? And God's been speaking wonderfully through these guys. Well, that process is because God is equipping them, and you can't hurry God. God isn't in a hurry. We're the ones that are in a hurry. And we just have to be ready. And here the disciples, after they get this great commission, they're ready to go for it. But Jesus has to say to them, mm, not equipped yet. Notice Acts 1 verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. In other words, you can't leave yet. You can't go yet. You're not equipped yet. You can't start the early church yet. You can't put that newspaper ad in that the church is starting. You're not equipped yet. 
Verse 8, what's going to equip them? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be equipped. So even here at the start of the church, the disciples, they'd been with Jesus for three years. But they were not yet equipped to do what he wanted them to do. All of those years didn't go to waste. But there was a starting point, and of course we know Acts chapter 2, that was the step of being filled with the Spirit of God, being empowered with the Spirit of God, so that they could then go and minister. Now, just look at your own life. You can go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Just look at your own life for a moment. Wherever you are in your life, do you believe God has equipped you? Number two, are you using that which God equipped you with? You see, sometimes we know that God's equipped us, but we have not yet fulfilled what he's asking us to do. And as we go through this, don't just think about the disciples and don't just think about the church in Italy, the book of Hebrews, but look at your own life and go, okay, am I equipped? Do I believe that? And am I using those things that God has given me? Notice verse 21 again. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Philippians 2.13 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So the only person that equips us is God. There's no reason for any pride. None of us here can have any pride. It's God who's working in me. He's helping my wonder. He's moving me along. So everything that we accomplish, all glory, obviously, goes to God. Now look at verse 20 again. May the God of peace, who the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Number two, we are equipped to do life right because we have God's peace. Coming back from Israel, this word shalom is a special word. If you're from southern Israel, it's shalom y'all, you know. It's just a word that it means much more than the absence of conflict. If that's what it meant, you couldn't say that word in Israel very often. But it means, in its richness, completeness, safety, soundness, total well-being, body, soul, spirit, shalom, peace. It can equal having it all together. Everything is in place. Now, you know that peace only comes from one person. It comes from the United Nations. <laughs> See, that woke about 30% of you up. Could I hear an amen that that's not true? Yeah, we know that, don't we? It comes from Jesus. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about thirst. See, people without Jesus are thirsty because they have no peace. They do not have peace with God. 
When you become a Christ follower, even if you're in conflict, as this church was, they were going through a very difficult time. Paul reminds them, look at that verse again, may the God of peace, he reminds them that in the middle of that conflict, they can have peace. Now think about that. When we become a Christ follower, immediately we're equipped with God's peace because our sins have been removed. The enemy can't torment us anymore. But we don't have peace with God. We have then the peace of God. It's a lifestyle as we move along. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So God wants our lives to be full of peace. He wants us to have an inner quietness regardless of all the stuff that's going around. Paul is saying to these hassled people, you can remain calm in the middle of your circumstances. Well, how does that work? Isaiah 26 gives us a great clue. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And when my mind is stayed on God, then all of a sudden my faith is raised. My trust level is raised. And then it says, because he trusts in you. The writer is reminding these people in this difficult situation that they're serving the God of peace. I'm so glad that we can have peace in an unpeaceful world. Now, how does that happen? Psalm 16.8 in the New American Standard says this, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. What does it mean to set the Lord before you? We're back to journaling. Our quiet time. You see, if you and I head off into the day without this, you will not have the peace of God. Because the day's circumstances will stir you up everywhere. But once I'm in here, and I'm studying, and I've got this journaling sheet, that you're you working. Once I'm there, and I'm writing those promises down, and I'm seeing that scripture come alive to me, then all of a sudden the peace of God has me. And my mind is set for that day. Miss it, and the world will take your mind. We all know this, every single one of us. In the pastoral ministry, we know this. It's so easy to get so busy doing the things of God that we don't have the peace of God. And when I don't have the peace of God, I make bad decisions, just like you do, and I do. Turn to a favorite passage. Perfect for us, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll be right back to Hebrews. Just keep your finger right there. Philippians chapter 4, go down to verse 6. Do not be anxious about, what's the next word? I don't like that word. That word gets me. Does it get you? Let me read it another way. 
Can you start this verse by saying, God, I'm not anxious about anything. Can you truthfully say that? If you can't, while you're writing your notes, right now, just stop and write down what you're anxious about right now. Write it down. I'm serious. We're doing a Bible study that speaks to our heart. You see, if we don't have the peace of God, then it's a miserable walk with God. He equips us with the peace of God. So just stop right now and write down, what is it that you're anxious about? Situation, person, finances, whatever. Just take a moment, write it down. And then we're going to go through this verse again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And as a result of that, what happens? Look at the next verse. The, say it with me. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's that shalom again. It's my heart and my mind, body, soul, spirit. So the prohibition, if you write in your Bible, you can write this. Do not... Worry about anything. That's what the scripture says. Don't worry about it. How do I not do that? Pray about everything. And then what is the promise? So we have the prohibition. Don't worry about anything. And then we have the petition. Pray about everything. And what is the promise? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. So the promise, expect the peace of God to flow over you. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. So I'm equipped with God's peace. And the way it comes is through prayer. Of course, you could write out the prayer of these Hebrews who are undergoing tremendous persecution. Who knows what that looked like? But they knew specifically what it was. Look at the last part of verse 20 again. Who through the blood of the eternal covenant. Number three, we are equipped with God's promises, not just his peace. A covenant is simply established when two parties enter into an agreement which binds one with the other. So the covenant is a promise between two people. Of course, this covenant is the covenant of God. He keeps his promises. So we're equipped with God's promises. As we went through the book of Hebrews over and over and over again, we saw the promises of God. Let me just read a few of them, just from the book of Hebrews alone. Hebrews 7.25, He is able once and forever to save those who come to him through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So when we pray, we pray in the name and the authority of Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father and it goes to the Father. Today, Pastor Mark taught about doing God's will. 
you were reminded that the ability to do God's will is only possible through the power of God. Pastor Mark showed you from Scripture that God had works for you to do before you were a Christ follower. And you heard again that the work God has for you to do is suited to your unique talents and personality. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish this message equipped to do life right. He'll be teaching about the peace of God, which God wants all of his followers to experience. Pastor Mark will talk about the things that keep you from finding God's peace and how to give the responsibility for your life to God, who will then give you the wisdom to handle what life throws your way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a herd